Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, uh, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, uh, in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. again. Thank you, Steve. We, uh, this morning, we, uh, uh, Stephanie saw I, I was going to rescue Buzz Lightyear had escaped from Reagan and uh, uh, Cody's bag. They cleaned up the rest of the, the team from Toy Story, but Buzz Lightyear was laying there <laughs> by himself, and I thought we had another movie going to happen any, any second here. Um, the other thing was when I saw the slide that said sermon in scripture, I'm like, my slides did not make it through the email, but it's good to see that they are because uh, we need them this morning a little bit. So this morning we're taking a look at, are you shining like a star for Jesus? And uh, we all know the twinkle, twinkle little star song and all the different things. And uh, this last week was the anniversary of Judy Eric's passing away. And uh, hard to believe it's been a year, and then in many ways it's easy to believe it's been a year. Uh, missing her, her sweetness and her, her fun, her humor, and her service to the Lord. Um, when uh, her brother and sister-in-law found out we were getting a puppy, uh, she sent us this picture, or sent us this toy, Dalton. Uh, she sent us this toy, and it says, uh, the note said, uh, Bless this little star who's entering Diane and Robin's lives, signed uh, David and Susan. And uh, so when we brought Poppy home, next slide, we gave her, we gave her this toy, and uh, which is a star, or, or, I will say which was a star, and as we flip to the next slide, that's what's left of the star. <laughs> and uh, she is now 30 pounds and still biting. So. We do have an appointment with a trainer next week, and I cannot wait. But, uh, but it reminded me as I thought about that star and what it means to shine and what happens to us as stars. Sometimes we get beat up and eat, uh, eaten alive as shine, shining for Christ. And, uh, and besides, it was a nice way to get Poppy in the sermon. Uh, so the question is I want us to look at this morning is, are you shining like a star for Jesus? In, uh, there's several verses in scripture about stars, and I'd like to read a couple of them. One is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights, lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. And let them be lights in the sky, um, and let them be lights in the, the vault of the sky to give light to the earth. And, so, and it was so, and God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and lesser to govern the night. He also made the stars. 
God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the, the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and morning the fourth day. I don't know about you, but I love to look at the stars. Uh, we live uh, not the closest street to the reservoir, but pr fairly close. And behind us, it's pretty dark up in the sky. There's not a lot of lights out there by the DeLongs and the Martins. Kind of dark, dark out there. And, uh, and so you can see the stars at night. And I love to look at the stars. I, I, I don't know what's magical about them, but they're peaceful, they're beautiful. And if you know the constellations and some of those things, it makes it even more interesting. But the stars are there for a purpose, and they give light and they give beauty to the night. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 says, Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Once again, reminding us that we are to be stars and that we have a purpose. In uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, it says, Lift up your eyes and see who has made these stars. It is the one who leads them out by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his strength and because of his he is strong in power, not one of them is missing. Once again, the stars, but also reflecting upon us as Christians, that we are lights in, in the world. Last week, we, uh, Tom had the conversation of the beginning of this chapter two, and I'd like to read it once again just through, and uh, as you follow along, we will... Uh, just remember that because it sets us up very well for the second part of chapter 2. It says, are you strong because you belong to Christ? Does his love comfort you? Do you have joy in being as one and sharing in the Holy Spirit? Do you have loving kindness and pity for each other? Then give me true joy by thinking the same thoughts. Keeping, keep having the same love. Be as one in thoughts and actions. Nothing should be done because of pride or thinking about yourself. Think of other Think of other people as more important than yourself. Do not always be thinking about your own plans only. Be happy to know and to think that Christ thought. Think as Christ thought. Jesus has always been as God is, but he did not find he did not hold to his rights as God. He put aside everything that belonged to him and made himself uh, the same as a servant who is owned by someone. He became human by being born as a man, and after he became a man, he, he gave up his important place by, by dying on the cross. Because of this, God lifted Jesus high above everything else. He gave him the name that is greater than any other name. So when the name of Jesus is spoken, everyone in heaven and on earth and under heaven or under the earth will bow down before him. And every tongue will say, say Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will give honor to God the Father. I'll never forget uh, a time we went to a Promise Keepers gathering at the Na National Mall uh, from the Lincoln Memorial, or I'm sorry, to the Washington Memorial to the, to the Capitol. And it was filled with men from all over the country, possibly the world. And the statement was made from this verse that in the end, and I'm saying this today because of all the conflict in Israel and around the world um, that concerns Jesus and other, and other things. But the, the statement was made that day that at the end, 
every knee will bow and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even those who shook their fists at him all during their life, even those who ignored him, even those who were not the, the Christians they should be, they will bow before the Lord and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And with that set up this morning, I'd like us to take a look at the verses that uh, Tommy read for us earlier. Because of, of those situations, therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed, always obeyed, not only in heaven, but in my, not only in, ugh, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. In today's verses, we notice the pattern from last week. We see that uh, before Paul told the Philippians to be humble, humble in verses 3 to 11, he reminded them that of what they already have in Jesus, verse 2. And he offered grace before obedience. I think that's a very interesting statement, that God offered grace before obedience. He offered grace to us before we ever obeyed him. He offered grace to us before we um, become his children. He extended that to us. And I wonder, as a star for the Lord, as we all are, do we offer grace before obedience? Now Paul tells us to stop grumbling, and he reminds us of God's grace in our lives. Verses 12 to 13, he calls us to obey, but he also gives us the confidence that we will obey. God calls us to work out our salvation. In this verse, I've always uh, thought of this as more of a personal thing that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But as I read some commentaries and some other thoughts, the, Paul was really trying to get the church to work out its salvation with fear and trembling, to work together in a way that we all work and find that together, that Matt finds it, that, that Zach finds it, that Jim finds it, but that we do it together and we try to find our way to the Lord and work out our salvation. We think that salvation is pretty clear-cut, uh, clear but it's something that you and I continually work on each day of our lives to honor God and to obey him. Um, so how does this message of Jesus impact our personal lives, but also the church? Remember, we are the church. We are the people of the church. And you and I have that ob obligation to, to find out that salvation and it says, and Paul says, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. He's, say, he's saying, I'm not always going to be there, but keep striving for your faith. Growing up, there were three weird boys, and uh, bless, bless my mother, <laughs> but there were three of us. And uh, our, our after-school routine was to, to come home, homework first, not even a snack, homework first, and then, then we could play or do whatever, watch TV or whatever. But on those days when there wasn't a parent home, you know what happened. The refrigerator was open, the TV was on, we were watching the Mod Squad or we were watching the Big Valley, uh, those big shows that were on then. Uh, and we, so we were watching that stuff. But there was a window, there was a window, and we, you could come to our house either way down the street, but we would watch because everybody came from, mom and dad came from that one way. So we would watch for the white van or the Chevy Chevette to come down the driveway. The stacks would be put away, the, 
the TV would be turned off and we would be sitting at our desk doing our homework. And uh, supposedly mom and dad never d knew the difference, but I think they did, I think they did. We also tried to sneak up, at our, our bedrooms were upstairs and uh, you know, when you go to bed, you're supposed to go to bed at what, nine, what at 9.30 or whatever it was. And we'd talk, we'd do things. We didn't have phones and stuff then. Uh, this was the dark ages. And uh, we didn't have phones and different things to mess with, but we would talk and we would laugh and carry on. And our living room was right below our room. So they heard, you know, they couldn't hear exactly what was being said, but they could hear the conversations and they could hear when we were walking around. And uh, sometimes we would hear them coming toward the steps to yell up, hey, <laughs> it's bedtime, go to bed. So we needed our parents to help keep us in line because, uh, and I'm telling you, don't act like the weird boys when it was time to do what was right at that time. But we need to act like we're saved whether parents are there or not. We need to act like we're saved whether Jesus is standing in front of you or not. Whether an elder is standing in front of you or not. We have to act like Jesus. We have to keep that going on. And Paul was wanting the Philippians to fear God. He was, he was wanting the Philippians to honor God all the time, not just when he was there, but when he was not. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 says, Then the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in fear of the Lord. They honored the Lord, and they, encouraged, and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. We also have confidence because God is working in us. We should have a healthy fear of God and grow in our understanding of what it means that he saved us. Do you ever think about that? What, what it took for God to save us? What does that mean in your life? What does that mean to you? Do we think of that daily? Do we think of that to remember what God has done for us? That he sacrificed Jesus? That he had such great love that he even thought of of sacrificing Jesus. So we need to have a healthy respect of God. We should always act like God is present anytime. We're behind closed doors, we're having meetings, we're out in public, having coffee, having tea. We should remember that God is with us all the time. Whether we're alone serving the church or representing the church, as a believer or and on the front line, we are called to continue working out what it means to be saved by Jesus and to be one of his followers. It's a constant process of trying to figure out who we are and what we are to Jesus. Because I don't think we always understand that he is always with us. Sometimes we think we're very, very alone and that God is far, far away. And he's not. He's as close as, as we can be. Verse 14, verse 14, next slide. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars. The, the piece there, uh, Paul calls us to obey. He calls us to obey. And now he's telling us that we have to obey and do everything without grumbling or arguing. Um, this morning in class, we talked about busybodies. It was actually in the in the version that, that Mike Jones read about being busybodies. Um, and, he, and here, now we're talking about doing everything without grumbling or complaining. We know inherently what grumbling is. It's complaining, 
It's whispering under your breath that you disagree or that you're upset. In Acts chapter 6, it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew, Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And in 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So kind of muttering under your breath about things. It's sighing or dragging your feet. It's telling others when you don't get your way. It's having a bad attitude. Paul's addressing our heart issues and attitudes because outwardly we can be the most obedient, go-getter church people, but if we're constantly complaining and arguing, we are resentful and resentful we don't honor God. Do you ever think about that when you're grumbling or complaining that you don't honor God? The question, I guess, is how many of us are any of those things? Talking and telling others that we're upset, um, complaining and whispering under our breath, sighing, dragging your feet, going somewhere else for a while so that you can you know, be there and not face whatever it is. It's tough. It's tough. There's a line in the Song of Moses that wrote about Israel, and there, there, there were people who loved to grumble. Uh, when Moses first led Israel out of the 400 years of slavery to Egypt, to the Promised Land, he sent spies to Canaan, and uh, all but two of the spies reported that the local inhabitants were too strong and too powerful to overcome. And then, he said, then it says the people grumbled. For Numbers chapter 14, it says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said, said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Do you remember the other line from Scripture where it said, Were there enough graves in, in Egypt that we could have died there instead of going on to, to, to this trouble of wandering? When the Israelites grumbled, they were saying, we don't trust you, God. They were saying, we don't trust you, God. Do you think that statement could be relayed to us when we're grumbling, when we're complaining? We don't trust you, God, for the situation I'm in or the things that are happening around me. We need to trust God, and we need to think about the things that we say. Um, when we grumble, especially as a church, we're showing we don't have faith in God. We show we don't trust him. The consequence for Israel was God sentencing them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and everyone dying above the age of 20 except for two spies. Grumbling leads to death. Do you ever think about that when we whine and complain? Now, there are things that we are to be concerned about, but how do we handle those things? How do we handle our grumbling and complaints? Is it just to whine and cry and, and make a mess? No. We, we should go and have a conversation with who we're unhappy with or, what, or have conversation about what we're happy, what is wrong or we believe is wrong. And, and in the process of that, those things could be straightened out. Do we like to be around a grumbler, a complainer, a whiner? <laughs> no, nobody does. It doesn't honor God. Scripture, this scripture says we must be joyful, and joy begins behind closed doors. Building this culture begins 
behind closed doors when we have the opportunity to foster joy instead of grumbling. We have an opportunity to, to bring joy instead of grumble. I believe we do. There was a TED talk that said, um, uh, it said calling complaining viral misery. One person gives uh, their grumbles to another and then the, it spreads to another and another and pretty soon we're all grumbling and complaining. In those moments when we are tempted to complain about each other, our leadership or even our ministries, let us, let us tell jokes, let us laugh and let us rejoice that we can serve the Lord, we can serve Christ even when it's hard. I don't know about the jokes, but we do need to turn our attitude to joy. We need to, to think of what God has done. We need to, to see what God has done in our lives and help us to stop the grumbling and see the beauty that he has done. Verse 16 says, as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice, uh, an offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you so that you should be glad and rejoice with me. As we hold firmly to the word of life, we hold firmly to the word of God. This morning I asked a question and, and uh, Angie said scripture and, and uh, Jenny was pointing at scripture. We were talking about how do we how do we comfort each other? How do we know what is right? And it's from the word of God that we can figure that out. And then we need to be in the word and to, to study and to do that. Um, and as we hold on firmly, it says, then I will, I will uh, be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. In our verse today, Paul emphasizes that, that holding fast to the word of life, the Bible. And the question is for us to think about I always think about these things because Lori Patterson one time said to me, uh, that was a great sermon, but what do I do now? <laughs> what do I do with that? And, and I try to think of that, and I think we try to apply these things in, in our life, in our world. So the question for us today is, is the Bible an emphasis in your life? Do you spend time reading your Bible? Do you spend time listening maybe uh, you know, online to your Bible, to find out those words, to listen to God, what God has to say to you. And you can do it, and there's so many opportunities and ways, but how many of us make an emphasis to put the Word of God into our life every day? Do you read God's Word? Do you study it? Do you memorize the foundation, uh, the foundation verses that keep us, keep our faith alive? I shared, I think, in class, and if I did it from here, I apologize for repeating it, uh, somewhat maybe but uh at jordan's crossing the other day there's a there's a man uh, help me again mackenzie with his name andre he's taller than me very large man and uh he uh he he always shares a verse with us every time that we're there he comes and shares a verse and he, he calls me pastor and uh, he shares a verse with me and he came to me he's been there for months and months and months he came to me two weeks ago and said to me, I brought someone here today. I want you to share the gospel with her. She is lost. She's hurting and got things going on. And, and I'm packing food bags. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And he wants me to do that. And I looked out and I saw her and uh, he said, Pastor, please. And so I dropped my, I think I was putting corn in the bags at the time. 
And I went out and sat with her probably 15 or 20 minutes and just listened to her a little bit and just shared a piece of the gospel of, of who Christ is and his love for people and for her. And, uh, and I asked if there was anything I could do for her. And uh, she said, could I just have some water right now? So I went and got her a, a glass of water or a bottle of water. And I was like, how many times do we have that opportunity? Usually we pray for opportunities. And here, Andre, Andre brought me that opportunity. And it wasn't real convenient. It never is. But I dropped what I was doing and, and shared with this woman. And then I got talked to her a little later as well. But we need to have in our hearts always that, that desire to share the gospel. And by doing so, we, we're spreading the word and, and putting it on. Uh, the word hold firmly also means to hold out. Um, part of keeping God's word is not keeping it to ourselves, but we're to hold out the word in our life. We're to share it in the opportunities that we have. We're to share the hope and love that we have with the people around us. Um, but I guess the question is, uh, we're supposed to hold it out, but our, our is our focus just on ourselves? Is the word of God just in us, and we're not letting it out and showing it to the world around us? And if we do do that, we'll be too busy sharing God's word to grumble. Um, if it's when we take our eyes off Jesus and his mission that we begin to argue and complain. Most things that we argue and grumble about don't really matter. They really don't usually because I didn't get my way or he didn't say something that I agree with. Therefore, I'm going to whine and grumble and cause, cause frustration. An illustration uh, that I ran across says, when a child is crying or whining, what's, what's, what's one of the tools that the parents use? It's called redirection. You redirect your child's attention from his or her problems onto a choice, a new activity, a new idea, with the hope that your child will forget what made him upset and move on to this new thing. God does, does that with us when we're tempted to, tempted to despair and grumble. He gives us his word to redirect our thoughts and our actions. And when we see how great Christ is, it takes our minds our, uh, off our circumstances and places them on Christ. We have been directed by our vets when the dog is biting us to throw a toy in our mouth. Well, but you got, when you throw a toy in her mouth, you're getting close to the teeth. And I have marks. <laughs> Diana has marks. Uh, so we try to redirect her, and that works for a little bit. But we all need that redirection. Or we're, I'm going to put you in a crate. <laughs> and there's some people I'd like to put in a crate sometime. But, and, and I told Diana the other day that I'm going to get in the crate. At least she won't, the dog won't bite me at that point. But... But we just need to be redirected. We need to be reminded of God's great love for us. And, and we need to find our joy in Jesus. What does it mean that Paul is being poured out like a drink offering? And I actually did a little research on this because I, I've heard that, wasn't quite sure. The Israelite priests used to sacrifice a lamb in both the morning and evening as a burnt sacrifice. And when they did this, uh, they offered this drink offering offering, which was a mixture of flour, olive oil, and wine. That was from Exodus. And they also offered drink offerings at other special times, like festivals, uh, with other offerings. Paul is being poured out by suffering under house arrest for the gospel. And just like the Old Testament offering, his offering is a, is a willing to pleasing aroma to the Lord, to be 
a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And that's what the drink offerings were about. What possibly could make Paul um, pour himself like a drink offering? He was willing to do, do it for their faith and for his faith and the faith that centers us ultimately on Jesus. Do you know that Jesus was poured out first before Paul as a drink offering? Luke chapter 22 says, In the same way after supper he took, took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus' body and blood became the bread, the flour, the wine, uh, the wine of our drink offering, and he poured himself um, so that we can have life, laughter, and joy. What would Jesus, why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus do this? It was because he was saving his people, and that gave him joy to do so. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who is Jesus' joy? It's anyone who puts his faith in them. It's you and I. We are jo Jesus' joy. Because we serve him, we love him. At the cross, Jesus loaded up all the sin and grumbling and complaining of anyone who trusts him upon himself, and then he died. But that means that our sin our, and grumbling and complaining are put to death, too. And when he rose from the grave, he left it, banishing it to hell forever. Our sin, our grumbling, our complaining, were all on Jesus as he died on the cross. He died, it was buried, and it is gone. Now Jesus offers us joy instead of grumbling. If you confess your sins and put your faith in Jesus in baptism, your grumbles uh, go on Jesus and his joy falls on you. Although we still complain, if you know Christ, you don't have to pay for that sin. And one day in glory, you'll never complain again. So as we finish this up tonight, or today, I'm looking at stars here on my slide. The next slide, um, as are you a shining star for Jesus? Are you a shining star for Jesus? A believer works out his salvation through obedience and also through, also through perseverance. And we are to persevere to the very end. Per persevering is not one of our, and patience are not typically some of our best attributes. But we are to pursue those things to the very end because Christ died for us, took our sin, and he wants us to have joy in this life and not fall into the, the curses of, of this world. This was another line that I found on another, another page. It says, the Christian life is filled with already, but not yet. We are already forgiven, but we are not yet perfect. We are already, we are all, we already are friends with Jesus, but we do not see him yet face to face. We are forgiven, but we are not yet perfect. So we're going to have struggles in life. There are going to be things that, that get us and make us want to complain and to, to grumble. But somehow we have to turn that all around and see the beauty of Christ. What Christ did for us and the life that we should be leading. And again, I want to point out, if there are problems and if there are things that, are, that have concerns, work toward an end to those. 
talk about it, work it out with people, um, but don't be a grumbler or complainer, or we'll put you in the dog's crate, <laughs> where you still grumble, but at least you're contained. Um, seriously, God, God loves us, and God wants the best for us. And I think we need to think about our lives. Is God's word, when we're holding out the word, are we holding it out to ourselves? Are we keeping it within our heart? Are we living it day by day? And if we're not, we don't have the joy then that God has promised us to have in this life, in this walk. So today, as we uh, conclude this, this, this time, are you shining like a star? Are you one of those people that stand out and people say, you're light? You are different because you are with the Lord. And most, lots of, lots of you are. And then some of us have the complaining and grumbling, and some of us just aren't happy with where we are in life. And those are the people that we need to pray for and encourage, as we talked about in our class today, about encouragement and comfort. So we all are facing and walking the way and, that, and together as a church, we're trying to find and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because we want to honor God. We want to respect God. And together we can do that. Today, if you have a need to respond to the gospel of Christ, if you have uh, not been baptized to be one of his children, to follow him, to be like him, so you can shine like a star, um, we, can, we can help you with that. We can talk with you. We can baptize you this very day. If, if you have other things that you'd like to bring before the church, please do so while we stand and sing.